Pros like you know trusted brands have a hand in helping you nail the job. Start with Lowe's where you'll find those brands and savings too. Stop in today and pick up a new Metabo HPT 1 and 3 quarter inch 15 degree pneumatic roofing nailer for 20 bucks less. Now $269. And get a new Dewalt Tough Grip 52 piece steel hex shank screwdriver bit set for just $14.98, saving you 5 bucks. For even more ways Lowe's saves your business money, stop by the Pro Desk and talk to our dedicated pro team today. Whatever you need to get the job done, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 11.6 US only. You are now tuned in to the Jags Den Podcast, the official podcast of the Jaguars Wire, brought to you by USA Today Sports Media Group, and also the number one Jaguars podcast on the airwaves. Hello, Jaguars Wire Hive, or whatever. I don't know. Do we have a team? Do we have? <laughs> I don't know if we have. I don't know if we have a, a name for our fan base, but hey, what's up, Jaguar fans? Welcome back to the Jags Den Pod. I am your host, Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. And Jay and I are running duos here tonight on the Jags Den Podcast. <laughs> As we will, we're going to recap the week two preseason game for you. Of course, before we start, make sure that you're checking out all of our content on Jaguars Wire. .usatoday.com. The site handles, of course, on Twitter are at the Jags Den Podcast, the Jaguars Wire. You can find Jay at SportsCrying underscore Don. And then our, also our other colleague, Jacob, who is not here, you can follow him at underscore Jay Della. And then the audio links are on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and the Audio Boom Network, thanks to USA Today. Jay, my friend, how are you doing on this Friday evening? We scored a touchdown. We got on the board. <laughs> uh, we didn't win, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, how are you feeling this uh, this evening? Yeah, man, I'm good. A little tired, you know, around this time of the year. That's when uh, business picks up for the Jazz Wire. So, of course, I've been busy with uh, articles during and after and before the game. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm glad to be here as we have some um, exciting things to talk about. It was a lot of good things that came out of the game despite the score. Yeah, I think we left week two a lot more optimistic than we were week one. Again, most of the starters did not play, especially the notable starters. And we'll get into that here in just a moment. So, of course, we start off every episode with some quick hits. And this week will be no different. So we'll start off with the first one. The first, uh, we have some injury news regarding to Alfred Blue, who suffered an ankle sprain in the preseason game against the Philadelphia Eagles. And that was reported by NFL insider Ian Rappaport. Uh, Jay, what kind of impact do you see this having on the running back situation here on the team? Yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Rappaport labeled as just, quote-unquote, just an ankle sprain. So that leads to me to be a little optimistic, of course, with the Jags being off today, which is Friday uh, the 16th, they'll be back at it tomorrow on Saturday, the 17th. You know, Doug Marone will have a presser before everything. And um, he'll probably, you know, of course, the reporters will ask about that situation and we'll get more clarity on it. But right now it sounds like it's not too bad. Um, still, with ankle sprains, uh, you, you have to wonder, especially this close to the regular season, if he'll be uh, good to go come week one. Uh, that being said, it wouldn't surprise me that or it wouldn't surprise me if they sign somebody off the street for the next two weeks to just kind of get them through the preseason. Because, I mean, yes, yeah, sure, Leonard Fournette is going to play, but you would think it's probably going to be on a limited basis for week three against Miami. Um, right now, Raquel Armstead is still, if I'm not mistaken, I haven't gotten clarity on it, but he's still in the concussion protocol, if I'm not mistaken. I asked Philip Howman about it on Twitter. Uh, as we all know, he got injured. It was, what, week one against the Ravens. He went into the concussion protocol. I asked, had he been practicing this week? Phillip said no. And, by the way, Phillip is with the Athletic. Feel free to check him out. Uh, so uh, maybe they get Armstead back this week. But if they don't, right now the healthy bodies they have at running back is Fournette. Uh, they have um, Devontae Mays, I think it is, and Thomas Rawls, if I'm not mistaken. So, they only really have three bodies at the moment, and if Armstead isn't good to go, 
and they he still might be good to go and they still might hold him out if that's the case they'll probably sign somebody off the street to at least go into um the preseason the next two games with at least four running backs healthy running backs that is so i will see but um basically yeah the the injury occurred when uh he was running running it up the gut Vinnie Curry, um, who most are familiar with, he's been with the Eagles on and off for many, many years, tackled him, kind of uh, rolled his ankle in the process. And, um, of course, not too soon after uh, Blue limp, limp to the sideline, we already knew what the issue was then. Uh, but he walked off the field and walked to the trainer's room under his own power, so that was good. Uh, hopefully it, it looked like it might have been a high ankle sprain but Ian Rappaport didn't indicate that so that's probably a good sign if it's not a high ankle sprain and uh, like I say we'll know more when Marone comes back tomorrow yeah just one of those unfortunate injuries that you see happen right around this time of the year hoping that it's nothing too serious and Jay you know I, as, as you and I can both speak to this you know people who, who both play you know we're both athletes in high, in high school me playing basketball. I mean, that those, those ankle sprains are no joke. So we'll see how, how long it lingers, but hopefully we'll see him back sooner than later. Just another thing to keep an eye on. Um, but yeah, as I mentioned in the, in the intro, a lot of pretty much most of the starters were once, a, uh, once, a, most, uh, once again held out of this game. We still have yet to see Nick Foles, 27 players and all were held out, including uh, the quarterback. We're still waiting on his debut. D.D. Westbrook is Chris Conley, Leonard Fournette. We still haven't seen, of course, Ramsey and Boye, Miles um, Jack, a bunch of those guys we still have not seen. However, we are looking to see them in week three in Miami. So, Jay, is there anything? And we'll probably go into a little bit more depth in this a little bit later, but um, really anything here? I mean, that's uh, that's even though they're trying to probably get integrated into a new offense, but, you know, mm-hmm. those offensive players, you'd like to see them building some rapport. Any kind mm-hmm. of concern here that they still haven't gotten on the field yet? Well, yeah, I mean, of course, it you know, it, it concerns. And most fans do want to see, like, a lot of people have been complaining, like, hey, I want to see the starters, this, that, and the other. But it's kind of not that easy in the Jags case because, for one, I can understand why Doug Marone especially doesn't want to trot uh, Nick Foles out there. And if you all watched the game last week and what we have at the offensive tackle position right now with Jawan Taylor out and Cam Robinson just coming off of PUP, so they're going to be limited with him. But when you look at what Leonard Wester did, and uh, I think it was Josh Wells and some other guys, it was it was bad, man. And we should, we'll talk about that actually later in this podcast. But the play there was bad, so I, I can't blame Marone for not wanting to put uh, uh, Foles and even like Fournette back there, and then um, you know expose them to injury or whatever the case may be. Some you know some hard hits which we saw with the Eagles and the Baltimore Ravens. So I can understand it. And I mean, like me and Jacob talked about this in the last podcast. It's just, uh, it's just signaling to me that Marone is kind of straying away from that Tom Coughlin uh, approach with training camp, even though training camp technically ended a couple days ago, uh, but with training camp and the preseason, because again, like I said in the last podcast, I feel like 90% of me is sh- like sure that Tom Coughlin would have tried to the starters out there week one and week two to some capacity, you know, it might've been limited or whatever, but uh, you know, Doug Marone, however, he said it early in the preseason, he said he want to be smarter in terms of how they practice and uh, letting training camp not be as strenuous though, you know, they're not exactly having spa days out there. And he's also translating that to obviously the, uh, the preseason, holding all these starters out and really like I said you can't blame them because when you look at years past we lost Marquise Lee in the third preseason game of last year to a meaningless you know a meaningless game against the Falcons he didn't even make it to the regular season uh so that being said you know like what do you expect Marone to do like to in terms of changing his approach you know I I, I certainly can't blame him uh we lost Allen Robinson in the first what series of the regular season in 2017 so i mean albeit that happened after the preseason uh who's to say the regular season or or the preseason wasn't so strenuous that it may have caused that injury so uh, when you look at it from that perspective and and in marquise lee's uh, case he's still not back so that's very telling of uh, how severe his injury was so in that case you can certainly understand why marone is taking a safer approach and I mean, look, regardless of how he approaches this offseason 
And, uh, you know, what he does, you know, he's still going to be on the hot seat when the regular season occurs. So, you know, it's it's really just all about his preferred method to get into the regular season. Uh, and you, you certainly can't blame him when, when considering his job is arguably on the line. Yeah, the defense, I think we're not necessarily too concerned about no. not seeing those guys. But the offense, you know, even if it was just a series and, you know, just like, like week one, mm-hmm. you know, of course. Now, of course, now the Giants are in a completely different situation. But you can't tell me that the Giants were just – the Giants fans, I should say. Just mm-hmm. a little bit optimistic seeing Daniel Jones go out there. Now, right. now you can make the argument <clears> – <throat> excuse me. You can make the argument his touchdown probably intercepted against a, the, the first string. However, it's something to build on. And it's a little bit – you know, that little bit of optimism. And I think that's what the fans are really looking for. Just some kind of reason to be like, okay – this right. is our guy. This is why we brought him in. So yeah. I totally get it, but I think we're going to see – I think a lot of that we'll, we'll see week three against Miami. Yeah. And on hopefully some Real quick on that too, uh, Phil. Um, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, I was listening to Locked On Jaguars podcast too, and one of the things they were saying because, they, you know, they've been there in person. They've been watching mm-hmm. Marone in training camp. They watched him on the field uh, last night as well uh, for the game. But they one thing they brought up is that they noticed that Marone has just been really aside from when he had to announce that he didn't know if Cam Robinson and Marquise Lee would be able to come off of the pup list for the regular season. That was arguably like his his most down moment of, of like training camp. But aside from that, like they they were saying he's been like all smiles. And it's like T Wig even went as far as saying and they, they Phillip too, they went as far as saying like it's like Marone Despite, you know, what was being shown on the field from the reserves, he's continuing to smile because he has something up his sleeve. And what is up his sleeve is a very improved offense. Of course, they're talking about the first string under Nick Foles and whatnot. So it feels like if you're looking at it from that perspective, that Doug Marone expects better days to come as opposed to these last two. So we all. Yeah. (laughs) But it's it looks like he's optimistic on what the starters offer and really all he's really looking for within the reserves is, you know, who who can separate themselves from the pack and help make depth for the team. So I guess we'll see uh, in the future, like in terms of next week, what he'll do with the starters and whatnot. Uh, But yeah, I I can understand the fans wanting, like you said, to see like a, a series or, or maybe two, um, to kind of, you know, you know, give us a, a, a positive outlook on what to expect for the regular season. Yeah, and, and my message, I guess, to the fan base is just be patient. Hopefully we will get that next week against Miami. So the big preseason game number three is usually the one deemed the dress rehearsal. So we'll get a good idea of how the team looks. And I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. So we'll see what happens. Right. So. Speaking of coaches on the hot seat, this guy knows a little bit about that. Former head coach Jack Del Rio has landed a job with ESPN as a analyst. So, um, you know, I don't think anybody ever really, nobody's ever really doubted Jack Del Rio's football knowledge. It's just, unfortunately, just things did not come together here. And, you know, it, it seemed like it was, it was so close and overall, when it comes down to it, I think I'll, I'll probably put, I mean, I would definitely put the, Del Rio era before the Gus Bradley era, you know, <laughs> yeah, I still think oh, yeah. he's probably, I still think he's the second best coach in franchise history. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's going to be joining the radio and television broadcast for the network. We'll probably see him on NFL live sports center, get up, things like that. So when you saw this news, Jay, uh, what did you think about Del Rio I, collecting I that ESPN check? Him, man. <laughs> I was happy for him because, you know, I, you know, I always, I like Jack when we fired him, you know, and I think he was a victim of, you know, I mean, I know it was time to move on, but he was a victim of some unfortunate circumstances. As we like all know, Gene Smith. yeah, Gene Smith was just a just horrible at drafting. I mean, point blank period is, I mean, people complain about what, you know, and that's us included, what Dave Caldwell and Tom Coughlin have done. But it's miles ahead of Gene Smith, which, you know, he just seemed to have this this mindset to take small school guys and hope they would bloom into you know, NFL caliber prospects, and it was just a monstrosity. It was just terrible, to say the least. So, yeah, I think he was a victim of some some bad drafting. But uh, nonetheless, I mean, you look at that, uh, Jack Del Rio's uh, journey around the league, 
And, you know, he's had some, you know, some bad outings, you know, it's been it's been tough for him. So, you know, for him to get a job with ESPN and find something that he can really settle in with, because he hasn't really been able to settle in in terms of, um, you know, coaching in the NFL. And I, I guess that's life in the NFL. Coaches get immune to that. Uh, but, yeah, this is something he can really, really settle in with. Uh, you can see, you know, guys look no further than like Rex Ryan. And you see other even athletes like, you know, um, Chauncey Billups and Dude, you, if Jeff Fisher can get a job analyzing, then any of us can do it. Okay. Like by, literally anybody. That's true. And by the way, he should never uh commutate another game ever because I I wasn't impressed at all. But that's my personal opinion. But yeah, Jack, I think Jack will fit in well with a lot of that stuff, especially with the um the analysis on breaking down plays and and whatnot, I think he'll fit in very well with that. And I, I mean, I expect him to kind of um, fit in much like Rex Ryan is right now, who, you know, we see him on um, NFL Live and get up and whatnot. So I'm expecting a similar role and similar success. Are you surprised that a guy, I mean, at least as a defensive coordinator, you know, it seemed like he had been having success. Are you surprised he's not on a team? Um. I'm not, and the reason for that, because I think it might be a personal preference for him. He's been through, like I said, he's been, he's traveled around the nation in terms of coaching and, and coordinating gigs. And maybe, you know, he's he's found a place in life where he's like, you know, maybe it's time to look at something different and spend more time with my family and do something more stationary, if you will, to spend more time with my family. Because, uh, a lot of things in terms of the coaching realm hasn't really worked out for me. So that being said, no, I'm not surprised that um, I'm not surprised to uh, to answer your question. Yeah, I, mean, I think what a lot of casual fans don't even think about is the life of not head coaches, you know, of uh, coordinators. They're well, you know the the position coaches. They are constantly on the move waiting yep. for their next gig, their next position, mm-hmm. their next opportunity. So that makes a lot of sense, you know, for him to just kind of want to settle down. And it seems like coaches have it pretty good over at the network, you know, so right. it's, it's good, good for him, really happy for him and hope this works out. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, like you said, for him to have the runs that we did with the rosters that were put together, pretty impressive because if you go back and look at some of those teams don't have any business you know beating the Steelers in back-to-back weeks you know what I'm saying like right, right. those kind of things are like that's crazy so good for him I'm really happy for for Jack well, we're excited to see what's next for him and then one very last quick hit is we want to sh- send a shout out to AJ Boye happy birthday to him obviously the other part of that dynamic duo part of that awesome Jack defense and yeah we just want to wish him a happy birthday so aj if you're out there please come on we'd love to speak with you and uh and bring jalen with you too <laughs> right i'm sure he had plenty to say yeah yeah if jalen came on we'd have to let him say whatever he wants man in the end we'll we'll all get a nice check out of it you know <laughs> all right so yeah so those are the quick hits for this week you guys now let's get into the recap of the second preseason game. So quarterback play looked a lot more solid. Gardner Minshew, um, what, 19 of 29 for 202 yards. He was unable to, to even though it looked like he was there by the punching in, they were unable to get into the end zone uh, under under his guidance. However, they were able to put up a field goal right before halftime. Um, coach even stated he did put us in a good position to, to win, even though they did come up short. Um but uh, it, it seems like they are, with all the playing time they've been giving him in week one and two, they want him to be the guy at, at, the, at number two. Um, Magoo had a, a, a tough night really through the air. He went, I believe, two for nine uh, for 10 yards. However, it did show off those legs, didn't he, Jay? <laughs> yeah, I honestly did not know he could run like that. I mean, he had that one scramble that was with the spin and then the stiff arm, and then, <laughs> and then he – and then he got us into the end zone for the first time this preseason. So yeah, did you catch when he went out he of bounds on that um, that third down conversion? Did you uh, see who uh, who caught him? No, on it was Cam Robson. Cam Robson out there protecting his practice oh, yeah, squad yeah, I quarterback. Yep. <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> went down to the yeah. ground for him, man. I was like, Cam, be yep. careful. You just got off a of PUP, <laughs> bro. What are you doing? I did see that. So 
yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it looks like Magoo is a guy they probably like to maybe hide on the practice squad as it looks like Gardner Minshew is, is probably going to be the guy. And there were, I did like seeing Minshew standing strong in the pocket. Uh, he did have that fumble, unfortunately, but remember he is a rookie and a six round rookie at that. So it was, uh, you know, it's to be expected. And then of course, maybe the most important thing, Tanner Lee didn't play at all. Which is, uh, probably for wow, the best. The way you say it. <laughs> so, I mean, look at, I mean, all you have to do is look, look at week one, man. I'm sorry, Tanner. He's probably a, a great guy. Yeah. Uh, but, um, I mean, we've seen, yeah, him. Hope, we've seen hope, him practice in person. <laughs> I guess I'll put that out. I, I, I hope he's renting here in, in Duval County and has, is not, doesn't have like a mortgage or anything. I'll just <laughs> wow. put it that way. So, <laughs> so Jay, Jay, you know, of course, we don't see. We don't see uh, the legend Nick Foles once again. But what did you see out of Gardner Minshew and and uh, Alex Magoo that made you uh, uh, that stood out for you? Yeah, I mean for for Minshew, uh, much much improved week. Um, I I know like me and you talked about this beforehand. One thing that I personally would prefer is that they bring in a veteran who actually has, uh, you know, some regular season experience. I don't really like the way they're going about this and trying to make Minshew the guy. Nonetheless, Minshew is stepping up to the call. But, again, I would just prefer if Foles went down that they have a veteran that has actually played in regular season games that that has been in the league multiple years to be able to step in um, in, in case something happens. So, that being said, though, as for Minshew, he answered the call. He had a good week of practice previously. A lot of the reporters were saying that so he was working his way up to this, and he probably could sense that Marone didn't want to put Foles out there, so he stepped up to the plate. I mean, really, in general, man, he's had his moments in in uh, training camp in general. So you know, I I know I heard a lot of people saying that uh, he was especially good in two minute drills, and he had very good command of the huddle. You know, of course, the IQs there a big concern of mine, and it still remains even from this week to last week. And this is something that, you know, he can't fix, really. You, you got to deal with God, with what God gave you, and that's his arm strength. So I think for Minshew, he's going to have to be a smart thrower, uh, anticipatory thrower. I said that last week uh, because the arm strength isn't there. I mean, clear cut and dry. Uh, but when it comes to when the ball is released out of his hands, he's, you know, he's made sure uh, to make the right reads, the right throws. I mean, to be honest with you, you know, he's doing a lot better than Blake Bortles in terms of the decision making uh, in his beginning stages of, you know, coming into his tenure with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So uh, you can see the IQ there. You can see the command of the huddle, even though it's kind of vanilla, if you will. They're not trying to really show off the playbook like that. Uh, but, yeah, I was impressed. Much, much better outing for um, and She would have liked to have seen him get into the end zone. But the Jaguars... Uh, which we'll talk about later, and a lot of teams are going through this. Uh, offensive line, in terms of the reserves, just isn't the best in the world. Uh, I think the team with the best offensive reserve line actually might be the team we played, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. And even that's going to um, not be the case heading forward because they're probably going to trade some of those reserve guys and get picks out of them. So they'll be on the boat with us as well. So uh, in terms of um, Magoo, He's a guy that, once again, you know, a lot of people like the tools they've seen out of him in practice. Uh, but then again, a lot of people have also said, you know, he just needs to um, to to um, make decisions a little bit quicker and, and um, get the ball out of there a little bit quicker. Uh, that being said, you know, he's yet to really develop as a passer in terms of what we've seen in the preseason uh, from that's going from the Baltimore Ravens to the Philadelphia Eagles. Nonetheless, though, like Phil said, he showed off those wheels. He showed off some athletic ability. And and I kind of say the same thing about um, Magoo and uh, that co- uh, in comparison to Minshew. I would like to see both of these young men with a first string offensive caliber line in front of them. You know what I'm saying? Or, I mean, just a, a first string starting offense in general in front of both of these young men because it's kind of hard to evaluate them with you know the all of these moving pieces and these guys who probably aren't going to be on the team so um but yeah he showed his wheels uh showed great athletic ability with the two rushes um I think quite honestly the last rush the touchdown was by design he probably wasn't even gonna throw that at all but it was good to see him get us in the end zone for the first time because We've been waiting, what, that took seven quarters for us to get in the end zone, so that was exciting to see. 
And um, yeah, I can't wait to um, see them heading forward because um, as we all know, they're, they're running out of times in terms of uh, the amount of quarters or play time they're going to see on the field. And um, they need to utilize what little time they have uh, to the best of their abilities. So what I heard you say, Jay, is that Gardner Minshew is already better than Blake Bortles. Got it. That is what I take away. <laughs> I mean, if I did say it, would you would you disagree with me? No. <laughs> exactly. If I was saying it. So, I mean, you on Although the boat with me if Blake, I was saying it. I haven't seen Blake take a snap in preseason. I have to maybe, maybe check that out. But I haven't heard... <laughs> We haven't heard any uh, Rams fans come in barking down our throats, have we? I don't think. No, nah, yeah, I checked him out. <laughs> it wasn't overly impressive, you know. It was, you know, everybody when he first went to the Rams, it's like, oh yeah, Sean McVay's gonna get his hands on him. He can save Blake Bortles. And what about Tyrod? How's he doing? I haven't gotten to check out Tyrod either. Um, I'm well, I checked out Bortles, but I haven't gotten to check out Tyrod, so I couldn't tell you. Well, we will see, and but it, it was. It was again. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? But it, it made it, it. You made me feel. It made me just feel a little bit more optimistic about the quarterback position. Mm. Still not comfortable with it no. by any means, right? Um, especially with the news breaking today. And Jay, you talked about this earlier. You and I via text talked about this earlier. Landry Drones was the first former NFL player signed to the XFL. So mm-hmm. there's your star XFL, Landry Drones. That's the guy that you're going to go. <laughs> wow, into he your was new the first NFL with. player to do that. Yeah, first player. Uh, wow. That's what I that's what I read earlier today. I actually talked about it. Eric and I recorded um you earlier just gave today. Me another article. I mean, I knew he went oh, to the XFL, goes. but I didn't know he was the first player to do this. So that's history. Yeah, first player to join rebooted XFL. Yep. So uh, he's the first former Jet or two. Yeah. So, um, but you did make a good point. If they had him here before. If they didn't want to bring him in, then that's probably pretty telling. Yeah. So, yeah. unfortunately. But, yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on these quarterbacks, and hopefully hopefully Nick Foles can just stay upright. That's all we uh, we can really really hope for. Um, but, yeah, the offensive line, again, you alluded to, had a pretty tough night. But, I mean, you look across the league, everyone's having a tough night on the offensive line. <laughs> so, <laughs> Leonard Wester in particular – struggled quite mightily jay i mean really any what are you taking out of the you know obviously you know in the preseason mm. when it comes to offensive line do you take a lot of stock into it is there anything i mean really i guess it's more about evaluation you just you just alluded to the eagles probably having a lot of guys that are going to be moving you know are there any anything you saw on the eagle side that maybe we should look into or what did you see here yeah i actually uh wrote an article on this uh before the eagles game i think it was monday uh, that we should trade for their tackle. I'm not going to even try and say his name. His last name is very long, but his nickname is Big V. Everybody will know who Big V is. But anyway, long story short, he's a guy that has plenty of experience for them, at least over eight games of experience. He played with Nick Foles. He protected Nick Foles in the um the Super Bowl, actually, and all throughout the playoffs because, as we all remember, Jason Peters, uh, left that season, which was 2017, with a severe injury. I can't remember exactly what it was. I think it might have been an ACL, and um, maybe like an ACL and an MCL like together. But I can't remember. But Jason Peterson, uh, Jason Peters, uh, exited that season roughly week eight or something like that, and uh, Big V had to come in and basically uh, fill in for him. So um, he's a guy that he's from what the reports say he's been getting a lot of uh, trade interest. So he's a guy I wouldn't bank on the Jaguars. If they're thinking that the Eagles are going to cut him, that's not going to happen. They'll just straight up keep him, if anything, um, if they don't get the right uh, deal or, or what they're looking for in return. So I think the Jazz actually should call them and ask about Big V because he could play he could play either left or right tackle. Now, he's, now granted, he's a backup. Now, he's not a guy that's going to exactly be, I don't know, um, Name a, a a good. Not necessarily gonna change your life. Yeah, yeah. What, what, who's a star offensive tackle in the league right now? Because all of them are escaping my my mind right now. Um, the guy on the the on the Cowboys. What's his name? Uh, Travis Frederick. Yeah, he's he's, yeah. He's not gonna exactly be a Travis Frederick or, or like you know Joe Thomas who used to be with the Browns. He's now retired. He's not gonna be that for you, but he's a guy that can fill in. Sorry, for, Tyron Smith. 
Travis Frederick is a center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, that's the center, but I just I went with the flow. Yeah. I, but um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Tyron uh, Smith is uh, yeah, that's a good example. You know, he's not exactly Tyron Smith, but. He's a guy that can fill in for you two to three games because, as we all know, like the situation is looking a little shaky. Although Cam is off a of PUP, he's going to be going into the regular season with limited to no snaps in the preseason. And the same could be said for uh, Jawan Taylor. So, you know, you might need that guy at the backup tackle position. And clearly, uh, Leonard Wester was not that guy. But another interesting thing to take away from this is uh, the play of Will Richardson, who was our fourth round pick last year. And um, Will Richardson, we drafted him as a right tackle, but he's been playing some guard at training camp. No, not some, but mostly guard at training camp, right guard. He's actually pushing AJ Can for the starting spot. Let the reporters tell it. And I mean, it's clear because they try to AJ can out there week one and week two of the preseason. So you would think as a starter, that's not a good sign for him. He's battling for his life with Will Richardson right now. And I think Will Richardson, um, I think we could see a end come to that battle on my um, when we go to Miami. I believe that um, the Jaguars will look to see what they have in Richardson. They'll look to see what they have in can. They'll make a decision at right guard. And it wouldn't shock me if Will Richardson is our new right guard of the future. Although we just signed AJ Can to an extension, me and Phil actually talked about that um, this summer or this spring. Should I something say something that surprised us too? Yeah, yeah, it surprised us. But the thing about it is, at least it's a limited cap hit. I think he's like a cap hit of two million dollars or something. AJ Can is. So I mean, at least you got a solid depth piece if he. Uh, loses the battle with Richardson you know you got somebody who started what two three four years basically as your backup guard I mean that's better than a lot of people could say which me and Phil already alluded to it's not really a lot of good depth in terms of the league at the backup um offensive line position period so yeah that's what I'm going to be watching heading forward is what does Will Richardson do he's looked he's fared pretty well in the preseason he's been playing right tackle because of all the injuries that's going on but um, I think in the end, he'll probably settle in at right guard and uh, maybe, like I said, be our starting right tackle or right guard uh, in the regular season. But we'll see. Yeah, and I think the other good thing is, if, say he say if they do go with Can, but now you do have Will Richardson who's proven himself to be, be – you can move him around. So, I mean, that's good. Yep. Um, that's absolutely and of course, good. Uh, so, so, yeah. And um, – yeah, the AJ can sign resigning did surprise us, but again, at least even if he doesn't win the job, same thing. You have a guy on the roster with in-game experience, so right, and, and right. that's can go wrong that's pretty big as well. Yeah. yeah so, um, keeping with the offense, the receivers have some drops, uh, quite especially some that that hurt Minshew. Um, CJ Board had five catches for fifty-four yards. Trey McBride four catches for forty-seven. They led the team as the number one and number two receivers, respectively. Now, I think it was Keelan Cole that almost had that catch on, on the Minshew deep throw that was out of bounds. But that was Keelan, right? I believe he came down with it. Talking about the first think, one? Yeah, yeah I, that I was, think it was, uh, it was out of bounds, though. I think that was Chart. Was it? Okay. Yeah, that was Chart. Yeah, I knew it was one of those guys. Yeah, he and, came down with it, actually. It was just not in yeah. bounds. Yeah, I mean, at least he came down with it. I guess you're still fighting for the for the ball. <laughs> right. We're just kind of grasping at straws here, guys. There's not a lot as far, <laughs> right. you know, to, to talk about for the receivers. But, mm. yeah, um, you know, any of those guys, Board, McBride, you know, we, we went into extensive talk, you, me, and Jacob, about the, the wide receiver position a couple mm. of weeks ago. Um, but I don't, I don't, I mean, anything there that makes you think that they're going to steal one of those spots away from a Pryor or a Conley or more Marquise Lee when he comes back? Um, yeah, McBride might be fighting for that last uh, spot, uh, that number six spot, because like I said, I mean, it's looking more and more like Lee is not going to make it for the regular season. Still on PUP. We're midway through the uh, regular, the the preseason, I'm sorry. And, um, you know, even if he can come back, you know, they'll basically at this point be rushing him at this point, which isn't a good thing. So, uh, I think McBride can be in, um, up for that number six spot. Um, he's especially – I think why McBride is flourishing is because he sees a lot of time on the field with Gardner Minshew as a reserve. You know, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about last year with Cody Kessler and DJ Chart. DJ, they were like best friends last year in terms of when they linked up on the field. So, you know, when you see a lot of time on the field with, with 
you know, the reserves as opposed to the starters. You know, of course, it's going to be a disconnect between DJ Chark and, say, um, Gardner Minshew because they don't really see a lot of time on the field. DJ Chark's a little bit higher up on the depth chart, so he doesn't really see time at receiver when Minshew is at uh, quarterback. So that being said, with McBride, in his case, you know, McBride's a little lower on the depth chart. You can see how they've developed that chemistry over the course of uh, practice and whatnot. And uh, Tyree Brady's another guy that has good chemistry with Gardner Minshew when we're talking about practice. So, yeah, look out for McBride maybe to sneak in there. Uh, right now, I still think, let's see, off the top of my head, it's going to be um, it's going to be Westbrook, uh, Conley, Chark, Let's see, Keelan Cole, uh, Pryor. Terrell Pryor. And yeah, we, we're looking at either McBride for that last spot, Tyree Brady for that last spot. One of those guys. We'll see. Maybe, you know, CJ Board too could, could sneak in there. Um, but I right now, I would put it, if I was a betting man, I would put my, I want to put my money on Brady, but McBride has the results in the preseason. He leads the team in preseason yardage, period. Yeah. In terms of uh, catches, and last uh, in, against the Ravens, he led the team in catches. Then, so you know, I think he's the guy that might can sneak in there and surprise a few people. Yeah, I think this is one of those battles as far as you know the last spot that's going to come right down to week four, and we'll see. You know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Of course, here on the Jag- the Jaguars wire, um, we're going to switch over now to the defensive side there where there were some some bright spots. Um, Dayton Jones uh, stepped up and. And it appears that he has leapfrogged Taven Bryan in terms of his play on the field. We'll get to Taven Bryan in just a second. Um, <laughs> of course, there's the, uh, there's the play where he knocked Kessler out of the game. Of course, Cody Kessler, former Jacksonville Jaguar, great, took the job away from Blake Bortles. We all remember him. Hope that he is okay. Uh, but yeah, aside from that, though, he was pretty disruptive. Finished the, game, finished the game with three tackles. One was a tackle for, for loss. And it's looking like the, the Jaguars' rotation at defensive line is going to be just monstrous again uh once once we once we get to full speed um Taven Bryan <sighs> <laughs> that sigh man that pause bro <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen the video floating around on Twitter uh Taven Bryan I think is still on the ground at at Tia probably still because no one wants to pick him up he got uh, drove to Savannah. In <laughs> just a and Jay, you and I talked about this. In this in just a fundamentally stupid play. <laughs> like, listen, listen, you and I, we trash the University of Florida a lot, but right, right. they're still the University of Florida. They play in the S the Southeastern Conference. Right. And your and your team has won multiple championships and always had good defenses. And you have a defensive line, a first-round defensive lineman, mm-hmm. just standing straight up <laughs> <laughs> and giving himself the opportunity to be driven into the dirt, so like Bruh. like blitz. It was like NFL blitz. Like <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> he just got washed out of position out of the play, man. Like you know, that's the best term to put it. Like that's how the coaches would put it. You just got washed down into you know out of the play, man. And like you said, it was. In terms of a lot of people on Facebook were like, well, he got double team, you know, he got double team, but that's fine and dandy. You know, when you get double team and I'm not exactly a defensive line coach, but from a fundamental standpoint, I think me and Phil understand what went on there. And when when you're getting double teamed as a defensive lineman, they're not expecting you to make the tackle. OK, they just want you to stay low enough to hold your body. position. Yeah, hold your position on the defensive line so the help can come up, which is the linebackers and the the safeties in this case, and help you clog up the holes. That play had no chance, however, because Taven Bryan was pancaked within three seconds. And not only that, bro, if you take a look at the play, he took out like three other Jack Yeah, and and he tackled (laughs) his own teammates. And he he was the most effective against his own team. Exactly. Uh, I was just happy Josh Allen got out of the way from that. You know? Right. And <laughs> listen, <laughs> Jay and I have obviously been very critical of this pick for to begin with. But like, if you are a first round pick, mm-hmm. 
this this stuff shouldn't happen. Honestly. Yeah, you shouldn't be getting pancaked by a second or third string lineman. No. Even though I just and, said, like, you know, the the Eagles got one of the better offensive backup lines in the but still you are a as you said, you came from the University of Florida. You learned your fundamentals from Will Muschamp, a defensive school, if you look at it in terms of history. I mean, yeah, they had some good offenses too. But you come from an SEC school, you're of a first-round caliber. That shouldn't be happening, man. No. And, and the concerning thing is, again, where, of course, this is his sophomore season, and you and even you have pointed out towards the end of the year, he was playing relatively well. And this is now the point where you show us, okay, that's why they spent that pick on him. That's why we got him where, where, mm-hmm. we, where, where they got him with other pressing needs on the board because of course at that time coming off of the AFC championship, the team you know, defense was not one of the necessary needs of defensive line, especially. Right. So for him to continue to just underwhelm is just very concerning. And, and, and on an, un- on an unrelated note, Jay, that you'll put here, uh, Lamar Jackson's looking great, but you know that's neither here or there. Uh, we'll just leave that. <laughs> Making we'll highlight that there. plays, bro. Yeah, so, plays. Um, yeah. On the thing you were saying yeah. about um him, we, where we saw the improvement towards the end of the season. The thing with Taven Bryan has always been this: when they put him in the interior, which he wasn't in this case, but as at a three technique at defensive tackle. You know, he looks better when he's in the interior. In this case, he was on the outside, and he continues to look bad on the outside. And the Jacksonville Jaguars and Todd Watch continue to put him on the outside, which is just, you know, it, it puzzles me to say the least. Although, you know, we, we do have good interior linemen, but at the end of the day, that just goes to show you how much of a mistake it was if the guy is better at the interior, which is not really what you drafted him for. You drafted him for it, let the reports tell it, and let the Jags tell it. It was to be a defensive end. And to replace, really to replace Calais Campbell on the edge. Keyword there, edge. And every time it's on, he's on the edge, he, he he's just looking terrible out there. And I'm just baffled by it, to say the least, man. Yeah, you hope that, of course, bringing in Josh Allen kind of retcons some of that, but at the same time, it's you, you, you could have had a valuable piece at that pick, you know, whether it's quarterback or anything else, that's mm-hmm. neither, you know, that's neither here nor there, but you could have had added a piece that's helping you, you know, and, and it just doesn't seem like this is, this is the way. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of our job here to be critical and, you know, it's nothing personal, but man, I, I just, it's just very frustrating to see, you know, I'm getting back to some positives though. It seems like the reserve corners continue to, to go out there and, and impress for the second straight week. One of uh, Coach Marone's personal favorites, Trent, Trey Herndon, broke up a pass Thursday night. Uh, Piasco, uh, Picasso Nelson pulled in the interception, which he, at first you didn't even know it was an interception. Oh, so he, okay. he came out with, with the ball. And then he, of course, and then that, of course, led to the touchdown with Alex McCoo. And then, of course, Tejas, he had that interception. Last week, he led the team in tackles with four and was tied for a team high in pass breakups with with two. Um, Grand Borders was right there as well. He had two breakups of his own and two tackles. And it looks like it's going to come down to week four for that number five cornerback spot. And I think it's, I mean, honestly, like two breakups from two backup corners. That's, I mean, yes, it's yes, it's second and third team. But still, in a, in a day and age in the NFL where the offense is just so, they can do pretty much whatever they want. That's pretty good for some for some guys that are trying to make the team. Yeah, 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 man. So. You you're right. Like it, I'm impressed. I, I'm I'm. It's uh, it amazes me like how the Jaguars keep finding these undrafted corners and they just flourish. I mean, not just in the preseason, but they just show this talent that makes you want to take them to the regular season. You know what I'm saying? Like last year, it was Quentin Meeks. Yeah, and, and, of course, Trey Herndon, again, who Marone still raves about to this day. And um, it was one more corner that's escaping me. But, yeah, it was mainly Meeks and Herndon. Now, Meeks has regressed a little bit. Um, and the big thing with him last year was, you know, we were saying, how did this guy go undrafted? He should have been picked at least in the fifth to sixth, seventh round or whatever the case may be. But he's struggling now, and that's opened up the opportunity for the guys that Phil just named. And like we said, Tay Hayes. Um, who has a pick, who has two pass breakups. By the way, his two pass breakups were tied for um, the most 
in terms of uh, the whole game as well, in terms of the Jaguars at least. So not only did he lead the team in tackles, he led the team in pass breakups. And then you have a guy like we already could pretty much just based on how much Marone raves on him, you could just lock in Trey Herndon for the number four corner spot. So it, it looks like it's going to come down to that fifth spot being for uh, Hayes, Breon Borders, and Picasso Nelson. Right now, I think I would have to give it to Borders because if I'm not mistaken, Borders was on the team last year. He was on practice squad, so they're familiar with him. The thing with I think with Hayes is Hayes is more of a practice squad guy. They'll try to stash, but Hayes is only like five nine and one one eighty something like that. He's a smaller guy, so you're kind of limited to what you could do with him. Of course, he can't play on the outside like he is now in the preseason. You can't do that in the regular season. Uh, he's more of a you know nickel guy and special teams guy. So for that reason, I, I think they'll be more inclined to put him on practice squad. And uh, Picasso Nelson is another guy that he might be in, in line for that fifth spot with Borders. Uh, and we'll, we'll have to see. You know, I know Nelson got the first pick, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was him on Nick Foles in practice ever. And Nick Foles hasn't been throwing many picks at practice at all. So that was alarming, and he's kind of translated that into the regular season. So we'll, I guess we'll see uh, who wins it between those three guys. But right now I give the slight edge to Borders if he can continue if he if he regresses a little bit, I'll give it to Nelson. Yeah, you're absolutely right, though. They continue to find these guys to plug in, and they just continue. They, they just show out. And, of course, a lot of this has to do with, you know, they know that they're fighting for that one position, but they're also playing for other teams, you know. Mm-hmm. So and, and I think that's that's great. I would love to hide some of these guys in the practice squad, but if they continue to play like this, <laughs> one of these guys, whoever the guy, whoever the two guys that are out, they're, I feel like they're going to find themselves on a roster if they keep playing like this. And, and, you know, good for them. So it's really one of those, it's really one of those things where it's really the, the, I guess the biggest argument for preseason is the guy, the 50, you know, the 45th through the 53rd guy in the roster is what the preseason is for, you know? And that's what we're seeing right now with the defense, with the defensive line, as well as the, uh, as well as the the secondary. Um, I love, I love the annual, uh, oh yeah, Dwayne Smoot's still on the team. Good, I like that guy. Uh, I, love, I love that. Show. You see him every once in a while, which is great. I love him. I, I love that. I love Dwayne Smoot. He's great. Yeah, but, uh, man. I'm, I, I'm surprised he's made it this far, man. <laughs> but it's, I, I love that annual sighting in the preseason where you're like, oh yeah, that's right. We got Smoot's Smoot. still on the team. That's good. That's good. All right, bro. But, yeah. He's actually had a good preseason too, man. Like he's part of the reason why I was talking. Why we mentioned the defensive line rotation is going to be great because. He looks significantly better than he's looked in yeah. the past. So I, I think it's because he's added weight. You know, he's at like 285 now. So in in uh, training camp, they were trying him out at the interior and on the edge, kind of like the Taven Bryan experiment. And I think that added weight has really helped him on the edge especially. And, uh, yeah, bro, just – I mean, just think about that defensive line rotation. You got to improve Smoot, who's kind of at least showing that he's coming into his own – you got Dayton Jones out there throwing people around like he's Calais. Like it really didn't look like it was a drop off between him and Calais last night, albeit he was going against second stringers and third stringers. And then you got the, the starters, you know, you got the Yannicks, Avery Jones of the world, uh, Calais and um, Marcel Darius, man. Like I'm really excited as much as depth is a concern at some spots. I'm excited about the depth at that defensive line spot and the cornerback spot. Remember, guys. Even the, even though a record tells a different story, the defense still had a solid year as far as the numbers. The biggest difference being is the Bears were getting all the turnovers and not us. So that <laughs> that goes that goes from year to year. So there's Please. a significant drop off every year. So, but when it, but when your offense is on the, I mean, sorry, when your defense is on the field, eighty percent of the game, then there's really only so much you can do especially with a quarterback that's throwing footballs off of helmet off the offensive lineman's helmets. So, you know, this defense is still intact. There is still a window here. And, and like you said, very optimistic and looking to looking and very much forward, looking forward to seeing it in full swing. And when you see Doug Marone out there smirking, like, <laughs> like remember, you remember when the Joker got taken into Arkham Asylum in the first Arkham game? And you're like, you're like, oh god, something's going on. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like he's got a plan, a la Arkham Asylum, minus the murder. I hope. 
But uh, you know, right, but right. Like, it's it's looking good. But yeah, uh, you know, those are things in offense and defense that we that we we took note of. And despite the score, plenty of positives to take away, which is what you want to see in, in the preseason. You don't really so much care about the records or the final score. You want to see guys getting better. And from week one to week two, we got that. So that's good. I, I think you, you definitely take that each and every week. And um, just be glad we're not the Cardinals, I guess is what to say, guys. <laughs> we're not the Cardinals with Kyler Murray out there running for his life. Like he is, I mean, looking like, and, and granted, he's much taller than me, but look, <laughs> looking looking like that, like the kid running away from like a flock of bullies on the schoolyard, man. That guy is going to, I I like Kyler Murray, and which is hard for me to say because I'm a Longhorn fan, mm-hmm. but that guy is going to get killed this year. <laughs> and I hope, yeah. I hope they, they're able to, to take care of him. And I mean, his best play last night was when he scrambled for no yards, but slid before he got murdered by three different defensive players. Like, yeah, I man, that, that guy has it. At least we, at least, <laughs> at least we're not the Cardinals. Let's put it that way. Who yes. made the Raiders look like a Super Bowl contender? <laughs> um, but yeah, but, but well, that's enough for for this past week. Let's look forward, Jay, to what we've already kind of touched on just a little bit, and that is the the tune-up game. The what's it called? What was the other word that I the. Uh, What's that term? I said it earlier. The dress rehearsal. Right. We're gonna get. We're gonna get some of the starters in Miami, and uh, we get to see Fitz Magic and Josh Rosen, who is probably gonna be on his third team in his third year next year. Poor, I feel <laughs> bad for that guy. Uh, what What do you want to see for the starters in Miami? Yeah, I just want to see that, uh, you know, all of this chemistry that we've heard about the receivers and Nick Foles just translate to some capacity, uh, whether that's a touchdown or marching the team down the field very rapidly, whatever the case may be. I just want to see uh, Foles linking up with, you know, guys like Didi, who's been probably arguably his favorite receiver of training camp and uh, your Charks of the world and your Chris Conley's of the world who, you know, formerly played with Foles in Kansas City. So, that you know, I want to see that passing game connection with the starters. Um, not so really much worried about Fournette in terms of what I want to see. I mean, I think what Fournette's story will kind of be told in the regular season. Uh, but if he, he shows up and has a very good game, that's fine. You know, I'm all for it. But, um, but I, I'm more so ready to see Fournette in the regular season and ready to see if he can stay healthy. But all of the reports coming out of training camp have, have been pretty good on him. And I mean, like, dude, this is I'm kind of getting off topic here as we approach 55 minutes. But <laughs> did you notice the last two weeks for net? I think me and Jacob actually talked about this last week. He was coaching on the sideline with the headphones uh, or, or the headset coaching up the the young yeah. running backs this week. Again, he tweeted about it again. It's a picture of him on the sidelines with the headset. Uh, you know, calling, well, not necessarily calling the plays, but listening in on the plays so he can uh, accommodate himself with the uh, with the playbook, which is great. You know, that's what you want to hear out of Fournette, especially after what we heard in the past. But, yeah, didn't you get, like, a kick out of that, bro, just seeing Fournette being a coach for a change? He, he's eating it up, bro. Look, man, I, I would love nothing more than Leonard Fournette to be this franchise chase changing running back. It's just these couple of seasons, you know, he just hasn't given us reason to believe in him. But as far as his personality, he's fantastic. I yep. think he fits in great. He fits in great with the team, especially Jalen, especially Miles, who and and who just love just taking shots at each other. I think that he fits <laughs> in great. He fits in great with the culture, especially the younger fan. We've they've really attached to him here in town mm-hmm. as far as Fournette. He's really reached out to that, that younger demographic. And also, let's not forget, guys, he's great in the community. He just makes stupid decisions. And re- let's remember, guys, they are younger than us. And if we were in this in these positions with that kind of money, <laughs> right. we probably would do, do some stupid things as well. But it's it's really good to see him trying to integrate himself more into the team, especially with a new offense. You know, we're, right, we're going to see right. that. And you've heard him say that he said the right things in the offseason. He said the, you know, he said, um, you know, I've been humbled. The whole mm-hmm. team has been humbled. I'm ready to, to learn more. He's saying all the right things, and I hope that it's it, it pans out. But yeah, it's it's, it's good. I, I I like it. I like it a lot. And yeah. you know, like you said, we don't necessarily need to see too much out of him. Here's the dream scenario. All right. <laughs> oh, let's let's see this. First drive, they come out. Uh, Leonard Fournette has three carries for 18 yards. Trucks a couple people. Looks solid. <laughs> Okay. Nick Foles, Nick Foles hit. They drive the ball down the field. Nick Foles hits deep 
Westbrook for a 20 yard touchdown in the middle. Get him out of there. Get him out. Right. <laughs> just, just Don't even put him in the in the camera, fourth either. Hand <laughs> the camera to Doug Marone smiling and then get him out of the game. I don't think that's all you need. And then just send a warning to the rest of the league. This is what we got now. <laughs> you know, that's my dream scenario. First drive, touchdown. Go for two. Go for two. <laughs> Pull a Mike throw a Tomlin. Fade, throw a fade to Conley and then get out of there. That's what I want to see. Let's oh, book man. it. I want to see it happen. Take me to Vegas right now. Put my money on a touchdown to D.D. Westbrook over the middle from Nick Foles. Let's right, do it. Right. <laughs> yeah, that would be ideal. I would love to see that, man. And like I say, if they do that, if they march down the field so easily, and need I remind you, like the, the Dolphins aren't the most talented team in the world. So, albeit they do have Xavier Howard at cornerback, so that can cause some problems in terms of the passing game. But they're not the most talented team in the world. If we march down the, the um, field in the first series with ease, and I, don't, I mean, even if we come away with a field goal, I might be fine with that. But if we march down the field with ease and get a touchdown, and like you said, just put a little extra stink on it with a, a two-point conversion, it's like get them out, all right? We don't need to see them in the fourth preseason game. Just let everybody chill for the rest of the – the um the lack the next two games and let's get into the regular season to predominantly healthy and unscathed. But yeah, I, and, I would love and, to see that. And don't forget, Andre Branch is on the Dolphins, so we're gonna get 15 <laughs> yards off of a defensive penalty already. So there's 15 yards you're gonna get right there. From, is he, from yeah, that's Branch. true. That's free yardage. Is Andre Branch? Andre is Branch. Still with uh, them, shout right? out to him. Yeah, hey, Andre Branch. He, uh, I, I'm pretty sure he blocked me before he even left the team. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite blocks. Yeah, as far as uh, Andre Andre Branch, the only block, uh, really the only block he's able to shed. I no, think, wow. is the Twitter is, is the Twitter block. <laughs> Jesus Christ! No punches pulled here on the <laughs> on the Jags Den podcast. But yeah, what? So that's the offense. What would you like to see out of the defense against? Uh, I guess they're going to roll out Fitzpatrick or Josh Rosen. I'm not sure who's really been taking the first team reps there. Yeah, I mean. Really, it's nothing that I really want to see out of the de- – well, I guess I would say I want to see uh, whoever's going to replace Telvin Smith, uh, that, and that might be um, Quincy Williams, who won't be back until week one of the regular season or close to it. But uh, whoever goes out there with the starters at that weak side position, uh, it might be DJ Alexander, it might be Najee Good, whoever it is, both of them have kind of flashed in the preseason – I want to see them flash with the starters and show us that, you know, if we need you to step in for one game week one against the Chiefs, that you can do it until we get Quentin, uh, Quincy Williams back. So I'll be looking for that, definitely. Um, uh, oh, yeah, Gerard Wilson, who played actually uh, yesterday against the Eagles. I want to see how he does because people kind of see him as that question mark in the secondary. I mean, we all know what Ramsey Boyer DJ Hayden and Ronnie Harrison can do. Uh, you know, Wilson got some big shoes to fill. He's he's replacing Tashawn Gibson, and uh, Tashawn Gibson is a very underrated player in terms of uh, Jaguars, in, in terms of his tenure with the Jaguars and what he did at the free he safety a, position. Yeah, he definitely had a solid run. He and he was much healthier than people give him credit for. You know, I think he played in every game that he was here. I know he exited one game early that was against the Steelers in the playoffs, but he played, he started in every game, if I'm not mistaken. So that's not going to be easy to replace, especially in this defense where uh, it's kind of demanding on a free safety, if you will, even though the Jaguars use the interchangeable safety uh, role, if you will, like put two safeties out there that are much of the same, but we'll see. Like Gerard Wilson definitely will be somebody to watch. So, uh, Aside from that, you know, that's that's all I really want to see out of the starters. And I just want to see the backups. I want to see Dayton Jones continue where he left off so he can make this team. And the same could be said for Smoot. Uh, we, we want Taven Bryant to look better because he's going to be a part of that rotation. Make no mistake about it. They're not going to cut Taven Bryant because that would just look horrible on the front no. office's part. So we, he, the least thing he could do is look better, you know. So uh, I want to see if he can improve his play upon last week. Yeah, and this will this every year as far as the, the the guys that know they're going to make the team, that know they're going to be on the team. This is the this is the one that you know everyone points to. That's probably going to be the most uh, the most uh, important. So yeah, right. and that's, that's that's it as far as you know what we from from week two and then looking ahead to week three. And Jay, this isn't you know this isn't necessarily on 
our topic list. I did want to touch on it here really quick just because it's out there now. You did just recently put out your Jaguars, all-time Jaguars, top 25 list. For those of you who don't know, uh, as far as to Jay- why Jalen Ramsey is not on the list, Jay, <laughs> you want to go ahead and explain that to them really quick? Yeah, because clearly I put in italicized font there, and a lot of people still have asked about that. But I put the list was only players over the age of 30. I wanted to make it, you know, I didn't want to make the list difficult. You know what I'm saying? Because when you start talking about the Jalen Ramseys of the world and, you know, you know all of these. You start bringing in potential and right, that's not what we're Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then, you know, people want to start making the argument that Bortles should crack the 25 because of what he is in the history books for the Jags. And, you know, like, it's just, it's, it's difficult at that point. So I just kept it to players under 30. And really the player, the only current, player that made it was Calais Campbell and even him I had the hardest time slotting him because you know you you don't want to slot him per se and I actually ended up doing it anyway over guys like over greats like you know Marcus Stroud and Mark um, and Henderson you know but I mean not that I slotted him that much higher than those guys but then you know those are greats that have put in what four five six years with the Jaguars so you know, I just wanted to avoid as much controversy as I could. I still probably end up making the list controversial anyway. You can't satisfy anybody, but I do recommend everybody, <laughs> please check it out, retweet it, give us your thoughts on Facebook, Twitter, whatever. And um, yeah, me and Phil actually ran the idea. Now that y'all know my top 10 picks, you're going to have to go to the list to see it. I'm not going to spoil it. But uh, him and Jacob, I guess, you know, they could do their list and we could kind of compare our list and, and talk about it in depth, you know, these players that we believe are the top 10 or so Jaguars. Um, you already know my list. Number one, Quinn Gray. Uh, number two, <laughs> uh, the, the Mr. Tractor himself. Uh, his name is escaping me right now. Todd Todd Bauman. The great. Uh, number, <laughs> number two. Don't forget Cleo Lemon. Oh, yeah, of course. And we had Chris, uh, what's his name, the, the Dolphins quarterback. He was here for a little bit. The Chad guy, uh, God, what was? No, 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 not Chad Henney. The uh, the one that was quarterback there for a while. He was never. He was always. He was always like okay. Like mm-hmm. he was kind of good. Hold on, let me type this in early. 2000s, the only one I can think of is Miami Cleo Lemon. Dolphins quarterback. Um, God, OJ Fiedler. He was on the. He was on the uh, the inaugural team as our oh, backup yeah. quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> OJ <Jay> Fiedler. <laughs> And, uh, of course, and then uh, rounding out my top five, of course, will be Hall of Famer, Jag, former Jaguar, Tory Holt, who, of yes. course, made his, made his mark here in Jackson. Yes. <laughs> Jackson DeVille um, never, would be a notable, never, a notable yeah. name on there, too. Yeah, let's not forget him. And then uh, the guy, the confused guy in the Jaguars t-shirt that's been made a GIF, <laughs> that's been made a GIF for life, he goes on the list. And one thing I would like to do is, we, uh, Jay, you and I talked about this, I think it was, it was off the air like a while ago, but who would be on our Jaguars Mount Rushmore? That's a fun topic. I think yeah. that would be fun because yeah. I have an idea. I mean, Jalen would just put himself on all four. We've already <laughs> seen him do that. So, right, right. The disrespect. Well, so, yeah, right. <laughs> so I just wanted to, to bring that list up. You know, just it's already, it's already uh, brought up a – lively conversation that's the word that i will use on social media so yeah, yeah go check it out I'm not going to spoil the list here but number one is quinn gray i'll tell you that so yeah. <laughs> but yeah no but that's it <laughs> that's it for 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 this week's episode you guys and of course a lot of optimism and excitement heading in to week three of the preseason so jay what do we have to look forward to and then we will call it a night uh, would it be in what three uh, nine thirty nine right now? I'm gonna try and get this up before the night ends. I'm gonna get some more articles related to last night's game against the Eagles up as well. Probably it, it'll probably be some quotes or something. You know what I'm saying from Marone and some of the the players uh, to just kind of keep it simple to end the night. And um, yeah, well, I'll probably get some PFF grades up tomorrow when those get released. Although it's the preseason, and um, after that, we'll start gearing up for the Miami Dolphins. Hopefully, we can get a podcast in. Uh, the game is on Thursday. We'll aim for Monday or Wednesday or something like that to get a podcast in. So, I'll be hard at work as usual. Yeah, and then I'm assuming after week three, heading into week four, we'll probably make our predictions. We've been holding off on that. 
to see what the roster will look like as well as the rest of the, the not only the division, but the rest of the league. Right. Um, Andrew Luck is even something we've got to talk about, you know, and that's going to have a significant impact on the league. Mm-hmm. Um, the Texans make any more moves. They already brought in uh, Duke Johnson. That's right, right? That's the guy from the Browns. Yep. Duke they brought Johnson. in. Who I they, wanted over here with us personally. Dude, we got the listen, wrong running back from the Browns. Uh, who was it last year that we got? <laughs> uh, Carlos Hyde. Yeah, yeah. Why didn't we get Duke Johnson instead, <laughs> man? And, and, and I keep, this, is what, this is one of the ones that terrifies me about the Texans. I keep hearing Trent Williams' name and Houston being linked. And for God's sakes, mm-hmm. please. Please do not let that happen because Trent Williams doesn't want to play in Washington and they don't want to pay him or they don't want to trade him. But that's a name I keep hearing linked to Houston and that mm-hmm. I know I don't yeah. want that. <laughs> I'm with you. Like, I mean, that's the thing with Houston, man. Like, I feel like people are overrating Houston because in terms of when you compare them to us and like the matchups we're going to have with them right now, we I think really, and I guess this kind of might spoil, spoil my list in terms of, or my record for the Jags, but I think the Jaguars could get one to two games on the Texas because their offensive line is so terrible right now. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, to get Trent Williams, that would just, oh God. Maybe and the Jags should get involved in that and stop them from getting Trent Williams and get Trent Williams for, for him. And <laughs> let me tell you, one of my best, and I shouldn't reveal this because you're in my league. One of my favorite strategies to do is whenever a guy goes down, pick up that backup before anyone else. I, even if I don't plan on playing him at all, right. as long as you don't get him, that helps <laughs> my chances. Yes. That helps my chances to win. And I have, a, I'm very lucky. I have a job, uh, my full time job, where I can be on my phone all day. So I'm getting to that guy before you get to that guy at 5 30 when you get to go home and get on your phone so that's you know that's one of the that's one of the best strategies but yeah we'll get into that i think that'll be a fun discussion to have probably after week four heading into the regular season we'll do a complete we'll do a complete predictions episode and yeah that'll be that'll be fun so of course guys before we we close out make sure you are checking us out on itunes soundcloud stitcher Tune in and audio boom. If you want to support the podcast, one of the best things you can do is go on iTunes and leave us a five-star rating if you feel like we're doing a good job. We really appreciate that. And of course, follow us on all of our social media accounts at the Jaguars Wire, at Jags Den Podcast. Again, you can find Jay at SportsBright underscore Don, our, our colleague Jacob at underscore Jay Della, and myself at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. And as always, guys, it's fun to talk Jaguars with you. We will see you next time. Everybody stay safe out there and go Jags. And, and Miles Jacks was down. not down. You know, like, <laughs> you know, you know Jack was down, right? You know he wasn't down. He was not. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.08%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 1.25% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030.